You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Welcome back to the Batuta Advocate Radio Show, recording live here in downtown Batuta. And today, uh, on this streak of uh, interviewing Australian talent that we wouldn't be able to otherwise get outside of a pandemic, <coughs> everyone's a bit more uh, available. So Errol and I are wrapped today to be yep. able to talk to one of our heroes, uh, a man that has informed uh, Australian television as we know it, and mm-hmm. um, a real mainstayer of this world, yep. radio. Oh, it's getting ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Newcastle boy. He uh, <laughs> he he allegedly uh, taught the Johns brothers how to party. He served as the inspiration for many silver chair songs. Yep. And somehow through all this remained a Rabbitohs fan. Yeah. <laughs> Mikey Robbins, thank hey, you. Hey, guys, thanks for having me in. Yeah, you're right, there's bugger all else to do, so what the hell? <laughs> nice, to be, nice to be amongst you, as Jesus would say. <laughs> it's interesting now, someone like yourself, Mikey, who spent so much time on television, so much time on the screen, really, mm. From from our perspective, you're probably only working one day a week, were you? Or? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole time Good Music was on, I, Paul and the writers, they're in there four or five days a week. I'd just turn up on taping day. <laughs> and rift. Yeah. I mean, basically, for 25 years of my career, turning up was three – no, no, 90% of what I did. Well, we, oh. we, we always kind of – that was a question was going to be, what are you doing with yourself nowadays? But the question should be, what were you doing with yourself for five, four days of the week well, back then? Well, actually, what I'm doing now is I've just passed the halfway point on my, on my next book. And um, I realised when I finished my first book, I put more work into that than I put into the previous 20 years. <laughs> like, that was like a four-hour-a-day four job writing an 80,000-word book. So, you know, I'm writing my, my quirky history books. The first two have done pretty well, and, um, and I'm doing a history podcast. We'll get to that later. Yeah. Because, you know, I've, I've basically... I've reached that age where most comedians do. Mm. You know, you reach you reach my age, and it's either like, uh, well, I'm still breathing, yeah. so I should do a history thing. And I'm still funny. I still got it. Oh, mate, <laughs> pull, pull my finger, pull my finger. <laughs> well, speaking of history, we want to go back to the very start, as yeah. uh, Errol mentioned before. Newcastle boy, yeah. Newcastle High, Newcastle Uni. Yeah, you could have stayed in Newcastle. I could have, mate. I could have. Um, I I was. Um, I was doing a bit of theatre. Mm-hmm. I, I won a Conda, hey, hey, City of Newcastle Drama Award. All right, put that on your CV. A Conda. Yeah, I know. What a bizarre name. Um, and then what happened was I, I joined a cabaret group called the Castanet Club, which had been kicking around for a while. Okay. And that got me out of town, yep. got, got me to Sydney, and then I toured with them for a couple of years. And then I decided to go back and get my dip head. Yeah, right. Yeah, as you do. Yeah, you know, I sort of hit my mid twenties and thought I need something to fall back on. Yeah. And that lasted six weeks. I got a job dishwashing. And then um, in the middle of that, the group I used to be in the Cashnet Club, they still had a pretty swanky agent, and they got me in a bloke called Warren Coleman gig on Jono and Denno's Saturday Morning Live. Writing sketches. Really? Writing excuse me, I'm burping now. Writing and performing sketches. And the first sketch we ever did was, um, was it Betty and the King? It was a cooking segment with him dressed in sort of well, 1960s 
um, cooking show drag. Yep. It gets better. <laughs> and because I had an Elvis suit, long story, uh, it was a cooking se- segment with Elvis, but Elvis didn't actually speak normal English. Elvis sort of spoke like a oh, oh, Tim Tam smoothie, mama. <laughs> yeah. his, his recipes were for Tim Tam smoothies. And, and the punchline would be he'd get halfway through a, a, um, a Tim Tam smoothie and Elvis would have a heart attack with the immortal words, oh, pump it, pump it no more. <laughs> And from that, that sort of, I know it's weird. Um, it's good gear. Yeah. And then, then the, the other two guys we had, because it was 1989, the other two characters we had were Glasnost and Perry Stroika, two Russian exchange roadies. I don't know where that came from. But anyway, yeah. from that, that got me a gig writing sketches on Triple J. And then that got me the start of what was my career at the age of 29. See, uh, you sound like someone who kind of was finding your lane as it was appearing in front of you. Oh, mate, yeah. I, I've never had a plan. I'm, yeah. an, I'm an opportunist. Yeah. Okay, like, so I was writing sketches, and that didn't pay a lot of money. Mind you, more money than I'd ever made before in the business. And then I said, well, I'd like to do some on-air. I'd like to try announcing. And they said, well, do you know how to operate a radio panel? panel? And um, I lied. And I said, yeah. How hard can this be? Well, I'll tell you. Um, you have to remember, I don't, I don't even drive a car. I'm that mechanically inept. I lied. They put, they gave me my first on-air shift, and I still hold this, the record at the Jays for taking the station off-air the most amount of times in one shift. Because it was, it was back in those days, you had to load CDs, and I kept yeah. fucking it up. And I remember that was the Saturday night, and then Monday I went in to record sketches, and there was the program director of the station, and I looked at him and he went, so how'd you go Saturday night? And I went, he didn't listen. I went, oh, fine. So can you do two more this week? And I went, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I got my way in by lying and I sort of stayed there because they didn't hear me when I first started. Well, I believe that technique is called uh, you fake it until you make it. Yeah. It was sort of weird. Like I'd, I'd start off by you know sticking to the playlist and being a real good boy. And then by the end, I would just play anything I wanted because it's 2, 3 in the morning yeah. it's like yeah what what the hell in fact two, two hours of NWA I, 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 no I actually played I actually played Packerbell's Cannon <laughs> but the way I said it was a Saturday night I, I could have got I should have gotten in trouble for this I said look in about oh, 25 minutes time I'm going to play the Best rooting song of all time. <laughs> so drop your pingers now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't believe I actually said that. And, and there's a lot of people getting around town who remember yeah. that. Yeah, vaguely, yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, it, it, was, it was very rock and roll back in those days. It was very fly by the city of pants and, you know, and that's why I met Helen and, mm-hmm. and, you know, we ended up doing breakfast and all that sort of stuff. How, do you, how did you go amongst the career animals? Because that's so you, you see, like in particularly in comedy, there's people that turn up every night with a microphone in hand, and they're going to they're going for the crown jewels, which oh. you stumbled across. Well, mate, well, <laughs> see, see, that was the weird thing. I never came up through stand up. Mm. I'd never done um, uh, stand up. I'd done cabaret, mm. and then did Good News Week, and so a lot of the people on the show were stand ups, and and it was always it was like a monkey on my back. Yeah. And so I was when I just before I turned fifty, I thought. I really should give this a go. Yeah. And I booked a gig and I died like a dog in the street. Yeah, right. Absolutely <laughs> died like a dog. I was and it was weird because like... It was a clanger. All, all those years of Good Newsweek, you know, I, I, 
if I said something, people would often laugh. Yeah. And yeah. then they'd applaud. I did find out later there was a sign that said applaud. But, <laughs> but you know, but, but so I was used to getting good feedback. And I got home, my wife said, you know, she said, look, you don't have to do this. And I went, no, fine. And then eventually I got booked to do a bunch of gigs in Adelaide. I remember saying, oh, my wife came with me. I said, look, if this doesn't work, you know, I'll, I'll do something. You know, fuck it. You know, I'm 50. I really don't need it. And it was so much fun. On the last night, I really wanted to thank the, um, the Adelaide crowd. I was performing at the Rhino Room, which was a great room. I thought, what can I give them they never had? What can I give, to, to give back to Adelaide? So I walked on with, with, with two garbage bags. And I said, uh, you've been so good to me, Adelaide. Who likes hotel towels? <laughs> and I, I, I'd nicked about two dozen hotels, <laughs> towels from the hotel and started throwing hotel towels out in the audience. I won't mention the name of the hotel. <laughs> that was uh, fun. Uh, but, but, that's, but, a good, that's, a good, that's a good little <laughs> Either way, they're going home happy. I'm, yeah, yeah, well, that's the thing. I'm, I mean, look, the stand-up thing is not something I – it's not my bread and butter. No. I – I basically, look, I'll be honest, I did it because I get a fair amount of corporate work. Yeah. And if you've got a half hour pretty clean routine, it makes corporate work a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And also, too, you, know, you, you look at the great stand ups, and you're right, they're there you know, five nights a week with yeah. a mic in hand. And that's a young person's game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I should have done it 35 years yeah, ago. Yeah. yeah. So, How did you find the transition going from radio to television? Was it. Uh, you had to shave. <laughs> so it came naturally to you? Well, you see, you have to remember, all, most of the TV I did was a panel show, which yeah. is basically exactly what we're doing now. Yeah, yeah. And which I think was good because radio, you know, you, you have a vague idea where you're going, but you learn to improvise. And that was pretty much, I mean, the nice thing about telly was I got free clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And particularly <laughs> because, you know, back in those days, I mean, I'm a fat bastard now, but I was a really fat bastard then. So they couldn't just get me suits off the rack. So I used to get freaking tailor-made suits <laughs> on Channel 10's expense account. <laughs> and then at the end of the year, I'd go, look, this uh, this cashmere jacket's not going to fit anyone else. I might as well just keep it. <laughs> I got so much free clothes. A cashmere jacket. Yeah. And you know the best thing about the cashmere sports jacket, which I'd always wanted, a camel hair cashmere sports jacket. I... <laughs> I wore it on, on camera once and I sweated like the defendant. Uh. And they said, don't wear it again. I was I'll just take it home. <laughs> yeah, I'd always yeah. wanted one of those jackets. Can, can you take this home and hot wash it for us? Mm. Like, you know, you, you're a young man on, on the Jays. Yeah, I was. I, 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 by the time I did breakfast, I was just turning 30. Okay. So I was a little bit older, but, uh, you know, I had long black hair then. So, you know, I didn't look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You look like a rock dog. Uh, no, I, I look like I look like the <laughs> I look like the drummer's roadie's assistant. Yeah, 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 yeah right. Yeah, the, the guy that hangs around bands. Yeah, that's yeah. what I look like. What was it like? You know, I guess I'm get, I'm thinking back to the glory days of radio here, and we kind of you see the Adam Spencers of the world, and you even hear like Marie Cardi and and Osher. You know, with his with his uh, mm. Channel V days, you're around artists all the time. You're around musicians all the time. You probably at all of the uh, concerts yeah. and, all, and all the festivals, was there a bit of living going on there? Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There who, was a bit. Who would have been your? Amount. Who would have yeah. been your band? Uh, who was your partners uh, in crime there? Oh, uh, well, the usual suspects. <laughs> um, I, I if I mention too many names, people will sue me. But you, look, you see, if you saw who I was hanging around with, you saw me then. Yeah, it was it was pretty wild. It was amazing yeah. that we, we actually got through it. I mean, you, know, you talk about concerts. You know, this is one of those things where 
I can, I can always pull this out of, out of the bag when people say, well, what's the best gig you've ever been to? I was like, well, I saw Nirvana at the first big day out. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's, like, yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, you, oh really? I so, yeah, you saw the Lime Spiders at the Hope Tonight. I saw Nirvana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then years later, this is always my big one. This is the only thing that I've ever done that my nephew's impressed by. Dave Grohl and I stole a bottle of bourbon from a, from, from a press conference, went out into a laneway and drank most of it. <laughs> Dave Grohl, okay, yeah. Yeah, that's a good partner in crime, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I've, you know, I've, 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 you know, I've ended up in places, and you know, there, <laughs> there are those moments when you, when you, when you're lying, in, when you're sitting at an airport the next day, going, okay, if the Connors Lounge is that way, I'm in Melbourne. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, as, as, as my doctor said to me recently, he said. What, could, you've never done that? <laughs> oh, uh, no, but it's yet. a good reference point. I, uh, yeah, Melbourne, right. As my doctor said to me last year, he said, you don't get a second He said, you don't get a second chance and you've had four. And I'm like, yeah, fine. <laughs> fine, I'll give up the smokes, I'll cut back on the drinking and <laughs> all the rest is gone. Yeah. And then in the midst of all this, you were one of those, we, we mentioned it to you outside, Troy Cassidale came on the other day. Good luck. And there's a couple people that exist in the public eye, in public life, who are degenerate South Sydney Rabbitohs fans. He's one of them. You're one of them. Yep. Andrew Denton. Oh, Mad Dog. Yeah. There's there's plenty of them. Yep. Yep. Ray Martin. Ray Martin. Uh, Don Lane. James Packer. Actually, I actually got to go to Don's, Don's apartment a couple of times. And he's a lovely old bloke. He was, he was very sweet. It was that weird thing, like if you're my age... <laughs> I'm like how Andrew would go, I've done it. Yeah, yeah. But shit, yeah, you look at Don Lane and, mm. and th- there should be a set of speakers and a channel changer to the right inside yeah. of him. It's yeah. like, that's Don. You know, I'd be in the cab with my wife going, that's Don Lane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, you know, even though I grew up in Newcastle, you have to remember, you know, I was born in 61. The Knights didn't exist then. Yeah. And the three biggest teams, if you lived outside of the city urban area, were St. George, South and the Tigers. Yeah. And I always maintain that we had three voices of authority in my house, my father, the Pope, and Eric Sims. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and and, and it, it could change. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, but, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, I'm a bunny's tragic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about um, the bad years then. Oh, shit. Okay, the best way I can describe the bad years <laughs> was me and a mate at the City Football Stadium, tiny crowd, it's raining, <laughs> And we've held the Bears to a 17-all draw. <laughs> and me and the other bunnies, and my mate was a Bears fan, and we're, we're on our feet clapping the team off. And he went, what are you clapping for? You didn't win. I said, mate, we didn't lose. <laughs> so, 17 all yeah. draws a good score. Yeah, and, uh, against the Bears. When the Bears weren't that flashback in that time, I... Look, it was tough. It was because I mean, yeah, that thing when you're a kid, you, know, you expected your team to win the grand final or be in the grand final, and then... You know, uh, then eighty nine, where we're minor premiers, and then the ninety the nineties was a long, harsh, dark decade. <laughs> yeah, and then when we got back, it was like, well, we're, I mean, I mean, then we got kicked out, which is appalling. Mm-hmm. And then we get back, it's like, oh, it's good, but you know. And then, you know, it, mind you, my favourite story of uh, the the night of the twenty fourteen um, grand final. My mate Tony Squires, the sports channel. Uh, I've gone along with Tony, so. We had to do something in the, in the millennial room. So I'm wearing a suit and I just had a virtual crew cut. Now, you've got to be a bit of a rugby league tragic to, to get the punchline of the story. There's a couple of um, Bulldogs fans come up and one goes, 
great, mate. Just want to say, mate, the best team win tonight. I said, oh, yeah, mate. Thank very much. Uh, he turns around, his mate goes, his mate goes, who was that? He goes, dickhead. That was Graham Richardson, CEO of South. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love. Fucking <laughs> Richard. Yeah, well, no, think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was like, yeah, yeah fair enough. Uh, and look, yeah, the, la- the last five minutes of the grand final, Tony's virtually got me on video because I just, I think from the moment GI went over, I, I was in tears. Yeah. I just cried. Yeah. Yeah. And the next next three days, my, my wife said... You down there at the Wolfpack? Oh, <laughs> mate. Seriously, the next three days, my, my wife describes it as the end of school. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, that feeling, just just this party just kept on rolling. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, like, how about how they closed all, like, all the pubs? Like, oh, yeah. Af- <laughs> after they won, the cops... They just came up and said, just shut the fucking doors. Yeah. Just oh, shut the they doors. took the horses into the pubs. Yeah. Oh, Those horses wearing bunny socks. But, but, yeah. right, it, was, it was funny. I, um, I, I ran in Adam Hills and I said, Hills, I thought you were going to be in England. He said, oh, I got a back. But my favourite was Denton. Because De- you know, there was always this thing midway through the season. It's like, you know, oh, no, I'm keeping grand final week clear. And then you think you're going to jinx them. So, so Andrew had agreed to go to, on a holiday to his wife to China. And and I'm I'm texting him. I said, look, mate, it's going to cost me a fortune, but I'll, I'll text you a live update. <laughs> he texted me back. and said, I'm in the stadium. It's a long story, but I think there was a helicopter involved. <laughs> good, good group. Yeah. Oh, there must be a lot of money. At the ABC. <laughs> oh, <laughs> helicopters, penthouses. Channel Seven too. <laughs> speaking of Andrew, and speaking of some of these, uh, you know, these public figures, were you ever called upon? Uh, you know, like, was there a duty to your club? Because I know, like, they'd get anyone who could talk to get up at these fundraisers. No, yeah, I spoke my fair share of fundraisers. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, you, you did what you could. It was like, you know, if the club called, yeah, you yeah. were there, you were there, you were there, and um, and 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 how did you feel when it got, you know, when when, when everything kind of came back to life? Okay, there was a, there was a divide. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was, and and um, I was one of those people backing what what happened with, yep. with, with Rusty, and it's t- yeah, it took a while from that time from some people to reconcile their, yeah. their differences, but you know it's just the passion of the game. I'm not I'm not going to put shit on anyone. Yeah, and you know, at the end of the day, doesn't matter what side you're on. There's a, a family of four Northern English boys who are going to take you to a premiership. Um, oh, mate, the the. <laughs> Bravest thing I have ever said. The bravest gag I've ever said in my life was I was doing a function for the players, and the Burgess boys were there. And I, I said, "Look, guys, I just want to thank you for all all the all the strength and the passion and that you brought to the club, and and also to on behalf of every bloke over forty. Geez, your mum's hot." <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, I got the glare from Sam. I got the glare. Don't and, know about that one, Mikey. And, and, and for, fortunately, fortunately, Matt King broke <laughs> broke the tension by going. He's fucking right. <laughs> the big afro, the water boy. My my favourite moment was it was actually at that function. We were down at the bars at Clavelli, and yeah, yeah, really hard to crack jokes in front of the players after a yoga session at Clavelli bars. Yeah. Anyway, so I was I was actually meeting up with a, with a mate to have, have a drink next door at the pub, uh, you know, you know, the pub down Clavelli, and watching all the players leave. And you know, classic, you know, young sportsmen done well. So we're talking. Top of the line Commodores, Beamers, you know, driving off. Yeah. Apart from Matt King, who's driving a retro 60s combi van, 
<laughs> with his sideshow Bob haircut. I, yeah. went, I like him. Yeah, he was yeah. running the yoga though, wasn't he? That's his, his missus runs the yoga. And I'm, uh, I'm not saying underrated because everyone knows how good he was. But he was a bloody good player, Matt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Underrated in terms of speed for sure. Yeah, yeah. he won a lot of rings too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some some didn't count. Some did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when we would go back to a good news week here. Yeah. Like Hamish Blake, you know, get around town with him. We had him for an interview the other day, and people driving past going, Hey, and they yell at him, I listen to you every day. And he goes, Did you hear that? Mm. I haven't been on radio for five years. I know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. So, I, um, do people still see you and they think that you, oh, yeah, they hold yeah, you in that place? Yeah, and, yeah. or the, or, or <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll tell you the story. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm in Newcastle a couple of years back, um, at the uh, Delaney Hotel, yeah. Catching up with some old mates, it was, it was my turn to go shout in. I'm very, I'm very happily married, man. But I got the bar, and like, this young woman, say 20s, she goes, You're Mikey Robbins. I went, Yeah, she said, Oh my God, my nan thinks you're hot. And I just went, Oh, fuck yeah. I'm now, I'm now, I'm now that guy. <laughs> my nan. <laughs> my nan. I'm now Don Lane. Yeah. And I thought, What's well, Newcastle? How old could nan be? Um, <laughs> but so I am, um, yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's funny. Yeah, because I haven't, I haven't done a lot. You know, I, I've been writing for the past few years. And yeah. I haven't done a lot of telly, so um, I do get a lot of um, I know you. Yeah, I yeah. Know. And yeah, it is, it is sort of funny. I think it's been, I don't know how many years since Good Newsweek was on, but it was a show that, you know, the people who liked it really liked it. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. So, you know, and it's, it's nice to have done that. And, yeah. And also, too, you know. Bought me a nice apartment, and I didn't have to, uh, didn't have to rehearse. <laughs> well, you know, it was it was averaging what you know, I eight hundred thousand. Oh, mate, we used to have crisis. On, yeah. We used to have crisis meetings. This is this is how long ago it was. We used to have, we used to have crisis meetings if we reached seven hundred and fifty thousand, which yeah. is a hit show these days. Yeah, yeah. Know, yeah. yeah. no, that's that's through the roof these days. I know the, the whole nature of the beast has changed. Yeah, which you know. So, McDermott. Yeah, little Vic- fella. Victorian. Um, stock is he? Um, well, actually, born in South Australia, which explains a lot. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, Canberra. Grew up in Canberra. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, his dad worked for the tax office. So I just, I don't, I don't know why that's funny. Also well, explains a lot. Yeah, yeah. One of the uh, huge Irish Catholic family. Um, and um, but he'd come from a troop too. Oh, the Doug Anthony's. Yeah, the Doug yeah. Anthony's. Yeah, so what was it? What was it like, kind of having to? Become his new crew. Well, I, I never had a sense of that. In fact, yeah. it was funny because I, you know, I spent ten years of my life working with Paul, and I always think this sounds weird because I went and saw when the Dugs got back together and watching him and Tim on stage together, yeah. and it reminded me that I felt like Denny Green. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know how Denny Green was? He was the guitarist from Wings. All right. So I always yeah. felt like I was like. You know, like he and Tim together with John and Paul. Yeah. I was the guitarist from Wings. <laughs> I, was, I, I was good. I was there for the, and, and we got on really well. We had a great relationship. But just, but that thing he, Tim and Richard had was yeah. just, the first time I met them. I, you I, were you were a Foo Fighter. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> mate, I was a fucking Foo Fighter. <laughs> I, yeah, I was the Foo Fighter. Uh, mind you, the, the Foo Fighters had more hits than, uh, than Nirvana and they're still going. Mm. Maybe they should stop, but they're still going. Uh, no, no, Paulie. The first time I saw Paulie was uh, I was with the Castet Club, and it was when the Adelaide Fringe Festival was biannual. And the Castets had won the two years before, before I joined the group, uh, Best on Fringe. And then we turned up and presenting the award to these three b- young blokes from Canberra called the Doug Anthony's. So I said good day to them then. And then a couple of years later, I was doing McFeast at the ABC, Libby Gore's sports show. 
And I, was, I think it might have been end of season because he was there for the party and I had a chat to him then. And I'm going to be honest, the next time I saw him was shooting the pilot for Good Newsweek. Yeah, right. Yeah. We didn't, we, uh, it wasn't like we were besties or we were mates or anything. And I'll never forget, we were halfway through shooting the pilot and we were, we'd been putting shit on each other, even though we just met. <laughs> and I sort of looked at him and looked at me and went, yeah, this will work. Yep. Yeah. Felt the chemistry there. And well, the thing about Paul, I, I describe Paul as, as the hand grenade guy. Yeah. If a hand grenade, if a comedy hand grenade rolls in the foxhole, Paul will throw himself on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I've never seen a bloke in an improvised situation who'll dig as deep to make something work. <laughs> I mean, the man's got a work ethic like nobody's business. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, okay, quick story. Steve Abbott was the Sandman. People yeah. won't remember the Sandman. And Andrew Denton, I was mentioning Andrew before, Andrew and Paul. So Steve and I and Andrew and Paul are at an art gallery just around the corner from where we are now. In Batuta. And um, <laughs> we're at this art gallery, and Steve and I walk in one direction, and, and we both looked over at the other guys. And I, I, I said to Paul the next day, I said, What were you and Denton talking about? He said, Oh, we were looking over at you and Steve. And uh, we said, Look at them, the two laziest men in Australian comedy. <laughs> he said, What were you and Steve talking about? So we were looking over at you saying, Look at them, the two most uptight pricks in Australian comedy. <laughs> and everyone's getting paid the same. Everyone, everyone's having fun. Everyone's having fun. Everyone's got Porsches. <laughs> Never had a Porsche. <laughs> Not yet. Never had a Porsche. When was the moment when you uh, tell? Like, we always talk about this with our guests. When you went back home to Newcastle oh, and, re- and realised you were a big shot. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. I went to Newcastle High, so it was Good News Week. Was in like its third year at the ABC, which has it had been a small cult show. Then it built. By the time we had the th- third year, we were regularly amongst its top shows for the week, and in fact, beating commercial shows. You know, it was. Yeah. So I get called back to my old my old high school, Newcastle High, to give the you know, valedictorian speech to the young students. Where I gave some speech about being interested in politics, and before I had a chance to think that my shit didn't stink, I looked down and in the front row was thirty million dollars worth of silver chair. <laughs> <laughs> and they were already there. Yeah, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Daniel and the boys were all in year twelve. <laughs> Uh, it was, it was they were way bigger deal than you. Way bigger. <laughs> mate, that just, why, mate, seriously, they were about to go off on their first US tour. And it was, it was, weird. It was weird afterwards. It was, um, I, I was chatting to Daniel, my wife, and I was supposed to go to the Central Coast to spend the weekend at a place there. And he went, oh, we're going to the, um, we're going to the Cricketers Arms for a drink. And I like the look at my wife's face said, hey do you mind if I go with these schoolboys and have a few drinks and, and, and she went Why? I said well it's the cricketer's arms it's where I had my 15th I, oh I shouldn't have said that yeah. that's alright <laughs> but yeah no that was that was that was, that was a funny moment I, I, I don't know big moments like um, actually you mentioned Troy Casadaly during the Olympics Sam and I emceed the gig he was on with a whole bunch of other people down in the domain and that was like 16,000 people that was that was wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, being on stage with the Dalai Lama, that was, yeah. that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. I've always got that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not many people. He hasn't travelled much either, does he? Well, it, 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 I can always pull these three stories out of a hat when people say, you know, yeah. I, I mentioned the best gig. And I say, yeah. well, what was your best New Year's Eve? Okay, I'm, I'm about to get ready. I'm about to fucking name drop big league. <laughs> yeah. I spent a New Year's Eve. With Billy Connolly on his yacht oh. in the middle of Sydney Harbour. Wow. That was great. Yeah. And you know the thing about Never Meet Your Heroes? And he yeah. couldn't have been a nicer, yeah, funnier, yeah. warmer host. He was just yeah, yeah, a lovely yeah. bloke. 
Yeah, he was... Um, Lovely guy. He was not... He was a perfect example of meeting your heroes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was that too. He was probably in his 60s then, and he was wearing... Hey, you've got to be fit to pull off a white linen suit. <laughs> you do. Yeah. And, and you've also got to be clean, tidy. Yeah. Well, but, but he was showing off where he just had frangipanis tattooed on his feet. I went, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> Now you, you you've delved into <laughs> into um, history now, yeah. Uh, quirky history. You, you're obviously an author, and you've um, you've been you're working on one now, yep. And you've been working on uh, and, you, and you've published a couple of others, but you're also working on a podcast, uh, yeah. Heroes and Howlers. Tell, tell us the uh, tell us the setup there. What's the what's the uh, what's the theme? What's the format there? Well, well, what it came from was it came from a long lunch, bit over a year ago. I met. It, in fact, it came to the Doug Anthony All Stars. Tim Ferguson liked to throw these lunches. And this other bloke arrived first, and then a couple of hours later, he and I were the last to leave. And his name was Paul Wilson, and, and he said, what are you up to? And we, and we just started telling history, because as I found out, Paul actually studied history at Oxford and has yep. a master at it, and you know, is, a, is a real historian, has published yep. proper books and everything. And I just, I just finished my, uh, my first book, uh, Seven Deadly Sins, which is about food, had come out. And I'd written Reprehensible, which came out last year but it was in that period where the publishers were holding it back for a while yeah and so i sent paul a, a, a just a, a rough an email of, of the rough edit thank god because he found three huge fucking historical errors on mate <laughs> so he fixed them up but and then we just, we just thought the idea was to try and do a history podcast but a lot of them are very dry yeah. and very academic and try and capture what it was that where we first met at the pub so make it sound like two guys at the pub because you know, the, the basis for the podcast is I mean there are big significant events we look at but the first thing is is it a good story yeah. is there something a bit weird about this one is there something okay everyone knows about the fall of the Berlin Wall but they probably don't know that the main cause was a really shit house press conference given by these German officials yeah. yeah so and that was that was the starting point and then we started working on it, and COVID came, and which was like, uh, you know. Yeah. But it was actually good because when we first started doing it, we were very. What's that thing? You know, we just met each other, so by the time we came and started recording the podcast, we'd actually worked up a lot more personal rapport. Yeah. So that a bit like everyone else, twenty twenty was a bit of a holding pattern. Yeah. So by the time we came in earlier earlier this year and started recording, then we sort of knew what we were doing, and and it's. It's a lot of fun, and the great thing about working with Paul is, I know the dates are going to be right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There's no, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and also, and also too, the guy's a really good storyteller. He's got that great English accent. Yeah. So our voices sound pretty good together, which is always. And also too, he's he's, he's a really easy bloke to hang out with. Yeah. And it's a fun way to spend a day. You know, we we we, we come up with a concept for an idea. We send a few emails back and forth. We sit in his place and we, and we run it. And we go, oh, yeah, that works. That works. That works. That works. We we then come in and record it. And then we go to the pub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know. I mean, At least it's not the other way around. No. no. I've tried that. <laughs> the vodcast. I, 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 I once did an episode of Live and Sweaty at the ABC. So drunk. <laughs> A friend of mine woke, called me the next morning and said, you were funny last night. And I said, I didn't see you last night. And she said, you're on the television. And I went, oh, fuck, I was. <laughs> That was the last time. That was like 98, 97, 96, no, no, 94. That was the last time I ever had a drink before I, I, I went in yeah. front of a camera. 
It's a You're terrifying lying in bed. What? What? I, I used to, what? I was. I was. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, I stopped the cab on the way home to throw up. Actually, I stopped the cab on the way there to throw up. Oh, <laughs> uh, you held it together. Yeah, I held it um, just. <laughs> Well, we are, you know, there's, there's there's a lot of gold in Heroes and Howlers. And, yeah, well, um, we're, we're yeah. loving doing it. Yeah, yeah. You coming to you coming towards the end of the first season, I guess. What would have, would have been some of the highlights you've uh, you've thrown around in there? Ah, uh, for for me, some some of my favourite stuff was finding out that uh, Louis the Fourteenth lost his virginity to a one-eyed courtesan called bizarre enough one-eyed Kate, <laughs> and that the guy basically, even though he was the longest-serving monarch in European history, soon uh, up until yeah. Queen Elizabeth II, for most of his reign he had his pants around his ankles. Yeah, he, right. he was, he was, a, he, was a, he was a rooting machine. <laughs> um, also, to finding out that the Fourth Crusade was basically a bunch of drunk yobbos tearing up the Mediterranean. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for me, it's, I, always, I, mean, I, I love history. I mean, I've always been a history nerd. For me, what I really love is finding out that, like Christopher Columbus, yeah, the reason he discovered the Americas was his maths was shithouse. It's, <laughs> it's, it's finding out that the commonality between the, the stuff-ups we go through now. Yeah, yeah. They've always been there. Yeah. We've always been a bit stupid. We've always been a bit idiotic. And yet we sort of stumble through. Yeah. And the stupidity now, I mean, I've heard some good theories out there now from the conspiracist camp is oh. that, that, uh, that our prime minister has purposely fucked up this vaccine order to save us from it. Uh, I mean, I mean um, uh, PJ O'Rourke, the, the right-wing humorist, yeah, yeah. He had one brilliant line. He said, "Ignorance is the ultimate renewable resource." <laughs> and like, you know, it, was, it was funny. I, for this book I'm working on now, which is called "Idiots, Follies, and Misadventures: Dumb as Our Constant Companion," <laughs> um, it's uh, this group that actually ended up being this, they morphed into the Seventh Day Adventists. But before that. And they had five goes of the doomsday date. Five go, and you think by the fifth time, and you haven't ascended, you'd be thinking something's wrong. Oh, and then of course they turned into Kellogg's. Sanitarium. Sanitarium. Yeah. Oh, Skippy cornflakes. You know what? When you're a kid and you say to your relatives, you could tell they weren't cornflakes. Yeah. It was like, do you have a variety packs when you're a kid? Your parents have a bite. And cocoa pops go first, rice pops go second, fruit loops go first. And it was like, oh, fuck, I've got to eat the Sultana brand. Yeah, Sultana brand. It makes me regular and I'm only fucking. Yeah, I'm eight. I'm eight. I'm eight. So, Mikey, everyone has a favorite part of history. What's yours? What do you go to? My go-to tends to be the Victorians. Yeah. Because they're just weird. Because mm. there's this weird combination of... Okay, I'll tell you a story from my last book, um, at, um, which is reprehensible. <laughs> Queen Victoria's wedding. Albert was the big wowser. So he laid down stipulations for the bridesmaids that they basically couldn't have ever gone on a date. And, in fact, their mothers had to be just as pure... <laughs> Until the Prime Minister sat down and said, look, we couldn't find 12 women in all of Europe to satisfy this. <laughs> so I always like the Victorians because there's, there's that... Um, that that's Moral outrage. The moral outrage, <laughs> yet at the same time, they're, they're, they're dirty, dirty, dirty people. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, it's. I mean, there's, you could just go forever. I think we'll be getting up to season 100 of Heroes and Howlers. Oh, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> the most important thing is just when you put... The only rule I have is... Can they sue me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have no. to go ancient history for that one. Uh.
Well, thanks for joining us, uh, Mikey. Oh, I'd love to have a chat to you guys. Who? Yeah. What's your tips for the uh, 2021 season? Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Look, Penrith look unbeatable. Yeah. Yep. I would say South's. You know, South will be there. South yeah. will be there. Um, I think we might have a repeat of last year's grand final because every mm-hmm. every time you drive off the storm, it's like oh fuck. Yeah. Emotionally, what I would love, and trust me, it would be a full house. And and look, you might have laughed at me up until last weekend, but three and four on the ladder, South St George grand final. Yeah, would be, be, yeah. That would be the game. Yeah, that would be the game. And that would be Wayne's legacy. Yeah. It was like, I'm going out in this. I'm yeah. going out in this. And then I'm going to retire in this and I'll come back in a year with the Southwest Ipswich Jets, oh, the yeah. Brisbane <laughs> yeah, <laughs> expansion that, club. That will be captained by Cam Smith. Yeah, and, and, and Sam Walker. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and Wayne will end up being the only, uh, the only coach to win the Dallium Coach of the Year with a Zimmer frame. <laughs> <laughs> we can't bring him down with an axe, that's for sure. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Mikey Robbins. Hero and Howl is out now on all good streaming services. Um, and wherever else you get a podcast. Thank you.